leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. It is Friday. We are back with episode 12 of Breaking in, Breaking LinkedIn. 12. Breaking <laughs> into cybersecurity in Hacker Valley Studio. Are we on F12? I can't it's believe 12, it. Right? I think I missed a couple. <laughs> Slacker. So we are here. We are super excited. We have the most special guest with us today, but we'll get to her in a second. I am Renee Small from Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am a cybersecurity super recruiter helping awesome cybersecurity talent get into roles and leaders hire awesome talent. My co-host, Chris, go for it. Hey, everyone. All right, yes, short and sweet. <laughs> short and sweet. That, that's how he feels for today. <laughs> we might have to swap you out. Let's <laughs> see. Yeah. How's it going, everyone? Chris Cochran from Hacker Valley Studio. Uh, my Ron, uh, my co-host Ron couldn't make it today. He's doing the same thing I did last week. Uh, he's making that move. Um, yeah, just happy to be back here with my my good friends and the special guests, Yael. Uh, Yael has been instrumental for my personal career in my life as well. Uh, we had her on the podcast. She's brilliant. Definitely check out that episode. But she's also known around the world for being a, a CISO whisperer, being a C-suite whisperer, a board whisperer. She, I've seen this woman at work and it, it's incredible to watch. But thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Wow. Thank Thanks, you. Chris. It's, a, it's good to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, yo. It's our pleasure having you. Excited to have that you. Like, that's like some serious intro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have the bar raised up real, real high. Step up on that pedestal. Right. You know, I'm used to I'm used to living behind this behind the curtain, behind the scenes. Yeah. So not today. Um, not today. <laughs> not All right. Today. All right. I, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Cool. So our um Yael, do you want to say anything else about what you do? Um, I, I spent 20 years in corporate America as a chief of staff to senior business executives. Um, how I got that is also how I first got into cybersecurity, um, very much from you know, the top and wide, but with a corporate lens to it. And I have since spent a lot of time with CISOs uh, sharing and helping to mold and build CISOs to be the next super executive Um business functional leader in organizations. So thank you uh, for having me. Very awesome CISO whisperer stuff going on here. So <laughs> Yael, the big question for today is, what are ways to demonstrate value and or innovation in a job interview or presentation to leadership? I mean, this is Big like 12, 12 questions. <laughs> that, that was like 12 questions. Come, 
<laughs> this is like, 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 like Chris who can like say hey and that's his intro like can ask 12 questions <laughs> words. Uh, we'll, we'll leave. um so i i that said i think it's a super good question and is a thing that i spend a lot of time on um and is one that I'm always surprised is an issue, by the way, for cyber folks, because we are hackers. We break into systems to fix them. We try and make sure that they're not broken and the way to fix them is to break into them. And yet we fail to do the same thing sometimes in our human interactions, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I would say that if we could do what we know how to do, with people in the way we engage them, we would solve the problem. So I think what I, I mean, my view on this is what I have to say is not revolutionary. It's just applying it to different conversations. I would say that when doing a presentation, you should understand where your audience is coming from, specifically. Who is in the audience? Who am I presenting to? What do they already know? because of their role, because of their prior experiences? What, what do they think about the topic given their prior role? And you can almost stitch together a theory and you'll just keep testing that theory, which is what we do. By the way, as cybersecurity, we're like, oh, I wanna see if this is a thing. And you test it by asking a question, by making a comment, by saying, I'm gonna say something that the CFO is gonna love right now because, and you say it and the CFO is like, you're like, okay, not that kind of CFO. Um, so what do they know? What do they think? And then figure out what do they want? So in a presentation, what do they want? And use those things, um, I think would be a starting point. Um, it falls into the category of doing your homework, coming into the room. And what are some of the ways that you do your homework when you make those presentations? Like how do you judge the audience ahead of time? Um, such a good question. So I do it in a few different ways. So if we're doing it, so we're going to stick with presentations for a second, right? We'll come to job interview second, but in a presentation, I want to understand, um, the style and the values of the room. So I would try and look at who the people are, um, what the public statements are is, do they operate more hierarchically, more collaboratively? Do, are they more bullets or long form? Are they more PowerPoint or Microsoft Word? Hmm. Are they more, you know, problem answer or here's the history and the story and here's the journey, like, and, and know how they engage in their delivery style. And then their values is kind of helpful. You can look at this stuff on LinkedIn. You can hear this from their prior decisions if you're already in the company. Um, what do they lead with? And you Right now, there's a big focus on diversity and inclusion. But like, is that like, are they just into that this week? Or is that, has that always been their jam? Because let's be honest, right? Um, and do they think about philanthropy? Do they think about altruism? Are they focused on family? Are they focused on output? So when you understand kind of, uh, and so I would look at public state. You asked me how. I would look at public statements. I would look at their personal backgrounds, which are now amazingly public. I would look at how they engage with their organization. And then I would look at their, way that they deliver communications, bullets or long paragraph, word or, you know, PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. um, in a job world, I mean, this is, go ahead. 
Yael, if you, um, I mean, you make some awesome points about just doing your homework, you know, doing your research. And Dr. Dana comes on on Mondays. He always talks about being ready to compete that, you know, when athletes are going on the field, they don't just show up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about is that same kind of preparation in terms of, you know, going in to give a presentation and really understanding the people that you're presenting to or the person that you're presenting to. Um, so my question is, when you're doing the, so a lot of the information can be found um, on LinkedIn and online. Are there any other places that you would send someone to do that kind of research if they're not inside the company? So if you don't know this person and you're coming in from the outside um, to do a presentation, is there other places outside of like just a Google search and a, and a, um, and LinkedIn to so find you should, them? So you're doing a presentation. We're not on interviews right now. So you're doing a presentation and you're an outsider. LinkedIn tells you more than just, um, their job history. If it also tells you things that you should stitch together. Oh, this person has only ever worked in retail. Oh, this interesting. They seem to be a musician up until they became a CFO. What mm -hmm. happened? Like that's a unique perspective. It tells you a lot. Do they have they only worked in large big public companies or really startup-y roles? Did they die? So it tells you more than just the role and you can use that to put together theories. You should put together theories. Um, and you should figure out why, what connect, what's the thread? If you were to write their story, what's the thread and what can you assume are their values? Mm -hmm. um, and then I would also generally try and assume what's happening in their um, outside of work lives in the room. So, mm -hmm. and you can do that in weird ways. You can see, oh, they've been working for this many years. So they're probably about this old. They might have a family. Mm -hmm. And that just changes the dynamic because when people are thinking about security, certainly if you can make it personal in some way, or um, they've only ever lived in, you know, California, they probably have no idea about something very East Coast. So there's more to the LinkedIn story that I think we sometimes fail to read for. And one thing that I love that you brought up is you talked about their story, because I feel like human beings are very story centric. Even when you're making that presentation in the boardroom, you're presenting a story and some people are better at telling stories than others. Even if you're bringing a presentation full of metrics and numbers and percentages, there are stories in those numbers and those people that are receiving that that are interested in the numbers are able to tell the story, whether they're making a projection or whether they're making a decision on whether to do something or not. Uh, what are some ways that you would recommend to people to actually help craft that story? Um, I think you have to think about the people in the room and how they want to hear it. So, and then what the, again, I would go back to the same questions. What do the people are, what do we think the people in the room already know? And so if they have, so let's say we're giving a presentation on, you know, fishing is up and it's super significant and you need to know this because we're about to make this gigantic change or a proposal. Remember we're an out, I guess outside or it's a proposal or it's a solution or it's a customer who's talking to um, their, the company that they're buying from and saying it's a big, so if we're trying to convey the message that fishing is up, we try and figure out, all right, is there a chance that this person doesn't know what fishing is? Do we think this person understands why fishing is bad? And what would make it sound bad to them? So providing context before providing the punch is mm -hmm. 
key. So even if you think that they know, but there are four other people in the room who don't, you can just get through it quickly. So just to get us to the end goal, we know that phishing is this. We know that it's bad because of this. So with that in mind, and you keep moving, right? Those are two sentences that makes everyone immediately in the room on the same page. Providing framing before any message, um, I would say is imperative because otherwise you're you, you have failed to, th- and it gives pr- a person a chance to ask you a question about that context before you even get to your main point. Yeah. Um, but don't yeah. waste too, too much time on that. <laughs> okay. So I just want to shout some people out because they come all the time. JJ made some really great comments. He said, bridge the technical gap with good soft skills to engage the audience and make your content relatable to them. And then he also says, I find making the content emotionally relatable to the person, you get a lot better engagement. And then we have um, a couple other folks. Rachel is here and she agrees with him, um, plus the pride of sharing something that actually matters. Uh, Some other shout outs to some people who are here that come all the time. Myra Giddens, Rachel, China Haley, who else is here today? Prishia, Prishia, Washington. I want to say one thing about making it, sorry, I'm going to cut you off on the point. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. She's an interrupter. I'm totally an interrupter. I self-identify as an interrupter on the, you know, Hacker Valley podcast. Um, I can't help it. (laughs) Making it personal and emotionally connected is lovely. But if you're in a senior and senior audience room, um, it's not often where they're going to start because you're an outsider and you're presenting to senior business people, the way to get to them first is not often personal. The way to get to them first is the, so what? And it's the, you know, if this doesn't happen, then this, that, you know, if this can cause that, what's the potential outcome? And then you've built credibility because you can't get past the, you can't get to the facts if you don't already have the credibility. In some cases, credibility comes with emotional connection, but in a, in a, in a business forum where you're the outsider, you have to find credibility quickly and you start by, we all agree on the outcome. And then that's not as much of a risk for our situation. We don't even dance in that way. So we should, yes, it's all over the news, but it doesn't relate to us. So you can build credibility off the outcomes and then you can close the deal with the personal because now I've got credibility and then they're going to believe me because I've made it personal um, would be just the thing that I would flip in the recipe um, in the business sphere. And um- and for those tips now, let's flip to the job interview. How would you convert those tips into someone during an interview um, using using them? Yeah, so the first thing I would tell somebody in an interview is think of yourself already in the job. You need to think of yourself already in the job when you're speaking to that person for a million. One is it's gonna change your language. It will change your energy. You know, I. This is when you present yourself already there. And if you can change your energy and your language, you will also change the way they think of you and that conversation. They will put you in the job also in that conversation. Um, Super important. Then I would suggest that you show that you understand the business. Show that you understand that this is really hard when you're like totally interviewing with a million companies in a million different industries. And you can do it in a few different ways. You can do it by demonstrating that you understand their past challenges. Usually those are public. Those are out there. So just show that you understand the business because you've done some work. You could go a step further and say, I understand the bigger picture for this industry. 
And that shows that you understand the business. Like when I'm really thinking, I don't know why retail is my theme today, but like for some reason, retail is like, hot. I don't even know a lot about It's been all over the news this morning. <laughs> I don't even know a lot about retail, to be honest. Yeah. We should talk about like something I know. Maybe that's why I'm choosing it. Um, but show that you understand the bigger picture of the industry. And then if you want to like be like a superstar because you're really all in on this job, think about or anticipate the future needs or challenges of that company, of that audience member, um, because that also... Uh, could could be a game changer um, when building credibility and you know and crushing it in that forum. Uh. And what are some of the ways? Um, I know Jason yesterday mentioned um, LinkedIn, Twitter, going through their Twitter history. Um, do you have any other interesting ways to find out um, that story for the hiring manager or? that individual that you're talking to, to make that connection or to um, drive that solution home? So there's often feedback that you should read about the company's 10Ks, the company's public yeah. statements, but they never tell you why to read those things. <laughs> you need to read those things to understand what their values are and what major operational changes have occurred. Did they just do a huge senior leadership shakeup? Uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. So I see that they did that. They just changed five of their seven senior execs. Wait, this person that I'm speaking, is he part of the new regime or old regime? Like you have to connect the dots. But if you can read the 10K to understand um, major operational changes and then values. Values are we really are committed to environmental causes. And you see that as a thread for the past four statements and not just because it's trendy this period. Um, that shows you about their values um, and that helps you then understand who it is that you're speaking with because you can put them now, you're building context around that person. Um, and then the last thing I would say on how, how else you can research for it is pretend that you were that person interviewing you and that's how you should prepare for that conversation. So think of whether, you don't have to think about the individual, but think of if I am the manager of, you know, incident response and and I'm going to interview an IR analyst, what would I want them to know or think given what I know about the company and the industry and this person's only been there for six months and what would I ask? Because then if you can come into the room without having thought through, I you'll just fall out naturally and you will already be presenting yourself as if you're in the role and that person will be like, God, this person just like, they're already here, they get it. Um, it's a game changer. Well, I, I just heard that topic in the book Mastery um, mm -hmm. that Chris recommended. They talked about how Ben Franklin was a master of that by um, thinking outside of himself and uh, the audience that he was working with and um, aligning to them so that he would get better results. I mean, if I read more books, I would be able to quote them like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mastery is such a good one. It's it's literally it one of my favorites. It's a good one. It's it's a lot. It's a thick read. It's, it's a oh, thick yeah. read. All of his books are thick. It's, it's so a sixteen-hour audio book. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I did audio with that one. Um, okay, some folks are saying they're enjoying the conversations. Um, but Yael, yesterday, like um, Chris mentioned, Jason Blanchard was on from Black Hills and he was talking about specifically the um, interviewing strategies and he brings up some of the very same things. And for what, what you just described about going into like 
he talked about also putting yourself in the shoes of the manager. But but what I really, really um, appreciate about what you just said was being in the job, like putting yourself in the role of I'm already here, I'm already doing this. I think that's so valuable and so important because people tend to make a lot of that stuff transactional like they do. They may have like, you know, different um I guess, folders, so to speak, of, okay, I'm going to this interview, I'm going to this place or whatever, but not truly feeling like I'm sitting in this role, I'm sitting in the job, and this is my future, this is this is my manager, and these are the discussions that I'm having, so. It's important really- for a few other reasons, too. Like, if you can think of yourself in the role, you're going to end up talking about real like specific problems and how you would approach them and you'll get a better sense of does your style jive with how they want you to do it or how or their company style and that's informative for both you candidate and them you know interviewer remember somebody is hiring a person to solve a problem because they can't do it and they just solve a problem that's why we hire other people so you are there to solve a problem and if you can come in and demonstrate that you are a problem solver or yeah, the problem could be that we have more more tickets than we have, you know, capacity to complete. That's still a problem. Or the problem could be we have no GRC function, so we're hiring ahead of GRC. Um, then you're still solving a problem, um, and that's the only reason why we hire people. We don't hire people to fill a void. <laughs> I, I, I think we would be uh, missing out on an opportunity if we didn't bring up one of your favorite subjects: superpowers. Uh, actually, you know, the you were the original person that really started talking to me about superpowers, finding people's superpowers, finding your own superpower. And in fact, you have inspired me to start an entirely new show. Uh, it's going to be live on LinkedIn. It's called Superpowered Purpose. You guys heard it here first. Uh, brand new show. Yes. Uh, we're picking out the day. I think it's going to be on Wednesdays. Thursday or, or Wednesdays. Oh, one, either Wednesday or Thursday. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll have a co-host. Her name is Charlotte Smith. Uh, she's actually my executive coach. Uh, and she, that's, this is what she does all day. Uh, so yeah, so my superpower is actually has actually changed a bit. And I, I think my wife helped me out the most uh, in actually finding what that superpower was. Originally, it was, you know, my deep interest in people, right? But uh, my wife was like, that's, that's not your superpower. It's something that you can do. But I, your superpower is you are a situation situational alchemist you you make you know gold out of the most random things and so i i and with that combined with my purpose which my purpose is i am a humanistic explorer i love diving deep into people and their their passions and their history and things like that and so when you combine those things your superpower and your purpose is you're it's no can defend like it, it, you are just unstoppable at that point. What would you have to say about uh, superpowers and people finding that superpower? Finding their own or finding it in others? Finding their own. I think you have to approach it with hu- a shit ton of humility. Sorry, a lot of humility. Here, go for it. <laughs> a lot of humility. Um, and you almost start by questioning everything that you know. Otherwise, you sound you come across as being cocky, overconfident, and like too self-assured. And the whole point is to not. 
be any of those things. The whole point is to kind of rebuild yourself and be like, where, where am I drawn to? What kinds of things can I just get lost in? I don't even notice the clock that I take on more than I can possibly chew because I just can't say I love it. Um, and what is the, that the activity, the outcome, and is that real, is that really the thing that I, maybe it's not at all the thing that I'm good. Maybe I'm good at, and ask people and think about what people seek you out for. Um, and if you continue to question it all of the time, um, you will eventually land on what is your special gift. Uh, and you'll be like, oh, that's special. That's just what I do. And right. that's it. You found yep. it. Yep. That's it. Um, when, when that happens. So I would say it's not a thing you can do and you can go find overnight. You'll just start to notice it. And that's mm -hmm. just widening your aperture for receiving that feedback. Feedback is a really hard thing to receive. And sometimes when we receive feedback, we think about, this is a whole different topic, but we lose the main point in the words that are being said. We lose the message in the words. We think that the words are the feedback. And oftentimes the words are just the symptoms, but the feedback is hiding underneath it. Um, the same is true uh, if we don't listen to how folks engage us or involve us to understand our superpower. I would suggest, however, in an interview path, you do not fan the flames of your own superpower and you do not say I am gifted in this regard and I am useful. I will solve their problems because of this, you know, skill. I would suggest that if you could spend your time recognizing the other person's superpower, the person who's interviewing you, and you don't have to say it out loud, but you should just notice it. What are they like? Who are they? And then think about whether you connect with that um, is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Chris brought up finding your purpose. Do you think that uh, for someone to be successful, they have to know what their purpose is in order to deliver on truly excelling? I mean, I feel like you're like asking me to be the conduit for a challenge with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I see that trap and I will walk right into it. <laughs> Um, I don't think you have to know your purpose. I'm not sure I know mine. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm not good at something and that I don't mm -hmm. have the special skill or that I'm not drawn. Um, I'm not as organized stylistically as oh, I know Chris. That. <laughs> easy, easy. You um, are the only person in the world who's ever he, called he me organized. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, look, Ron does it too. Like, you're great at like sound bites of the moment, um, and they're good, and they're like your little. I always call them like fortune cookies, but like they're like these little like statements that like you would put like up on a wall, like in your Nantucket beach house. But um, they're helpful to get anchored on, and then you can throw darts at it, or you can embrace it. Um, yep. I, I, I'm not. Um, that's not my gym. And I don't think you have to be. And I think it's okay to just do the thing. Um, and you don't have to know. And by the way, life is complicated. You're super busy with your kids. You're super busy with moving. You're super busy with something else. And you don't have the opportunity sometimes to be so intentional to think about your purpose. That's okay. It doesn't make you less or not as good or not as directed. That's okay. I hate the, where do you see yourself in three years question? Um, <laughs> Because what does, that what does that tell you, by the way? What like, what does that answer? Um, when people ask me that, I'm like, would you like me to give you a question that you should ask me that you want to learn something about? Like, do you feel like you have no questions left? Because that just feels like the fallback question in an interview. Um, I, I don't, so that's my opinion. 
I think people, a lot of people don't fully understand how to interview to get the result that they want, like how to find out truly how much, as much as you can get out of in an interview setting. Um, We have to remember that the person who's interviewing us doesn't know what's in our head and doesn't know anything we've already done. And all they're getting is what we are showing them, which is why folks spend so much time talking about your personal grooming and your, and your posture and your outward, you know, appearance, because that is what people get as well as how you speak and are you super monotone and you just talk like this or or are you super exaggerated and super exuberant and do you totally like do it like this and like that just gets lost like you've like totally missed the whole message because of the way I talk or are do you answer the question with one word or do you answer? You have to realize that in an interview. You're a great actress. That's so true. Right? But that's why we don't know how to like interview for the job we want because we sometimes forget that the person who's interviewing us doesn't know all the other things. And so they're only experiencing that moment. And we have to chart that moment. What? And you, it's really a lot of prep to think about what do we want to convey in that moment for that role, for that person. Um, in my opinion. Right. So, Yael, we know you have to run uh, soon. We have about four minutes left of her. So Terry wants to know, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, I want to break into the cybersecurity field. How do I get started? What languages do I need to know? Where can I get experience when no one will hire me? What's your thoughts on this? Well, you guys all like ask 20 questions in one question. Um, I cannot answer the question around languages because that depends on the company and the specific role. Um, and there should not be a blanket answer. It's the same thing with certifications. It's like, it just depends and we can all have our opinion. doesn't matter. Um, where can I get experience when no one will hire me is think about what experience you actually need. Um, you know, Rachel talks a lot about salespeople. She talks a lot about, you know, help desk resources because they have a very specific skill set. They can think from a consultative perspective. They understand the other. Per- you can get certain experiences in lots of different places. So I think that if you think about the experiences that you want to obtain, again, you will have the opportunity to present them back in the conversation in your resume in any light that you need. Uh, to think that the only way you can get prepared to be a SOC analyst is to be a SOC analyst is the same thing as like the SAG, you know, like if you're a movie actor, you can only be in SAG if you've been in a movie, but you can only be in a movie if you've been in SAG. And like, it's the greatest question of like, how do you get into, you know, that guild? Um, that's not true. You can get skills here in lots of different places and just know that you're working towards a direction. Cool. Wow. Well, <laughs> what else? Well, you said that quickly. I know. I know. One minute left. Anything else you want to ask, Yael? Well, before we I, wrap, I, I'd ask the famous last question: If you had to summarize everything that you've said to someone looking to break into the industry into one piece of sage advice, what would that be? So I'm the jerk who can never have one. I would say. <laughs> Do your homework. And by that, know where your audience is coming from. I would say build credibility, and that happens differently. If you're an outsider, if you're an insider, if you're interviewing, but showing that you understand the problem is the easiest way to build credibility. And then change your frame would be the thing that I would say. Um, think of yourself in the, in the role 
think of yourself solving the problem um, and think about what they would need from you. So homework, credibility, changing your frame would be my one summary. And I think it is of everything we've spoken about. Wow. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> thank you so much, Yael, for coming. Yeah, thank you. Fine. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is super fun. I mean, maybe I'll have to come, you know, crash next time. Yes, definitely. Do Please do. Please do. <laughs> Always thank welcome you. back. So, thank, thank you, guys. Always welcome to come back. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will see you again next week with another edition of Breaking LinkedIn with Breaking into Cybersecurity and Hacker Valley Studio. Bye. Bye-bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.